0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta Dana husband. our daf of the day, Masachah Pesachim, daf pe Aleph, page 81. So we're going to talk more about the tumat home, the impurity of the deep, which is this, again, this case is bottom line, where somebody inadvertently or unknowingly uh, came in contact with a dead body or where there was a grave, let's say, but they didn't know it at the time and they discovered it retroactively. And they have to then go figure out, like, what was their retroactive Tuma? And then, you know, to what extent is that uh, treated in a lenient fashion? Because, you know, it's really very complicated and totally unintentional and so on. And to what extent do you have to pay attention to Tuma in any case, right? So we have here, I'm on the bottom of, of, of the very bottom of Ahmed Alf, moving on to Amabet. Amar Rabbah, kalvachomer, omab makom shulohutra lo tuma yudu'ah. So the beginning of this discussion—it's well, not really the beginning, I guess, because that was yesterday. But the idea here is that we have a kal That the same way that you have ritual impurity when you know that the place is an impure place, right? Meaning you know that that is going to be um, not permitted, right? Lo hutra—it's not permitted in a case of known impurity. And then in the case that they do permit the tata home, right? The same exact circumstance, but you didn't know versus you did know. And so the kalvachomer is makumsha hutralo tumadua in a case where you where impurity was permitted, then of course kalvachomer all the more so the unknown tuma of the tumatata home would be permitted. Meaning we're talking here about the Korban Pesach and the application here of it, right? To what extent can you have Tumah rendered impurity in the case known impurity for the Korban Pesach? Well, since you can, then certainly the Tumah Tata Hom, which is a case of unknown unknown impurity, would be just as allowed, right? Because if it's known, that's a much more stringent kind of case. So the Gemara wants to actually knock this down. <clears throat> Excuse me. We derive a rationale, an inference from the Halakha itself. Why is that relevant here? Because the halach in this case, and we're going to get to the conclusion that says so, the halach in this case is one of those halachot that is dubbed halachal meaning it is something that was transmitted without dispute, without machloket, without variance, and therefore. Anything that comes in that kind of pure transmission kind of way, that's not about um, logical inference. So, to say that you can draw a logical inference from something that has, uh, you know, is handed down from on high, so to speak, right? The, the, the transmission from Moshe on down, which is what the Tumatata home is, it, it, we can't really make it a Kalvachomer there. It's not just applying logic, it's applying logic to something that has been kind of a, an objective statement. So the Gemara here continues with the brayta of Hatanya, Amar la Rabbi Lezer Akiva. Because I'm sorry, before you know earlier on Amar we were talking about Rabbi Kiva So here Rabbi Lezer says Akiva, etzem kisora halacha, raviit dam kavachomer ve'enod ve'en Danin kavachomer mehhalacha. So the example that we have to say that we do not have this kind of logical inference from something that is indeed halacha Moshe M'sinai is the fact that the tumah of a bone right the amount that you have right the the or the amount that you have to count as actual impurity when you're talking about a bone is the size of a grain of barley meaning a very very small measure and the idea is that even that tiny amount would transmit the tumah because there's halakhah that says exactly this and the same thing would be true, let's say, for the revit of blood, right? That again, that's the halakha. But so do you want to say, oh, so, I'm sorry, Rebbe Lazar's point is, you want to come and say that you're going to establish the tuma of the blood based on the tradition that has been transmitted about the grain of barley measurement for bone. And the point is, you can't really do that. You can't really say, I've got a, a transmission, a tradition on one point, and I'm going to infer from it to another point, point. and so this is this is the gemara knocking down this idea of a Kalva homer, which on the s- surface of it looks very logical, but then is here disproven. So then Rav says instead, Yali Mo'adomi Pesach. So Rav says rather understand that this case of the tumatat where we're talking about the, the Korban Pesach, why would it be permitted? Don't do it from a logical inference. Rather, understand it, that we're talking about the expression Mo'ado, the appointed time. And that's a biblical verse in the book of Numbers, Bamidbar Peretet, chapter 9. We're talking about the Korban Pesach. And that same word, Mo'ado, is, appears later in the book of Numbers, chapter 28, Kafchet, where it's talking about the tamid, where it's talking about the korban tamid, the, the daily offering. So since it says mo'ado, in the case of the korban pesach, and also in the case of the tamid, and the korban tamid, then we could say, perhaps, that the halacha is going to be the same for the, the korban pesach, just as it would be, I'm sorry, the same that a way that it is for the korban pesach, it would also apply to the tamid. Namely, the impurity that is permitted for the case of Tumat at home with regard to the Korban Pesach should also apply to the Korban Tamid. And the Gemara says, well, hang on. Tumat HaTahom, where do you even get this case of Tumat at home? Where do you get this impurity of the deep? Where, what are we talking about? Where Again, this is a case that is permitted, where the impurity would be permitted basically retroactively in the case of a Nazir. Or some, and also someone who comes to sacrifice the korban pesach, right? And the rationale here is, as we discussed the other day, about the about the tzitz, about the front the front piece of the coin gadol, which is going to appease or like kind of add in whatever level of kedusha was missing, let's say, from this impurity. So amar blazer, amar Kra, and we get this from the biblical verse, v'chi met mit alav. The biblical verse says about the nazir if he would die if a man should die meaning right beside the nazir mate alav he's he's dying right beside him this is in remember this is really the source of the nazir story number six and the idea is when it says mate alav that it's right beside him right then it means that it's very clear to this guy that he's kind of blown the root. he's become impure because. There's somebody who's died right next to him. And he knows for sure that that's contact, you know, he's come in contact with a dead body. The whole point is, however, that the that the at home is something where he didn't even know. There was no way for him to know. It's not that he was negligent. It was something that was hidden from his ability to know. And but then retroactively later on he discovers that he did in that de- in fact. Uh, he was, in fact, in a circumstance that would render him impure. I just want to say here, the line is alav. It is, it is, it is very clear to him, right, to the nazir that he had come in contact with a dead body. And in the case of that is mentioned in the, in the chumash, right, the idea that he knows he's come in contact with a dead body. So therefore, you know, therefore that's that's a much more stringent kind of case, let's say, than, um, the, than. The two matata home. So the Gemara continues, and I'm almost done here. So we understand where the Nazir case is, because we've just gone through it, right? The difference, the Nazir case is very specifically um, where the difference between somebody who is a Nazir and is in proximity to a dead body versus a Nazir who is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a known proximity to a dead body versus a Nazir who is in proximity to a dead body, but it's co- totally unknown. But then, and that's that's very nice in the biblical text, but then where do we get the case to begin with that there is a measure of impurity that's acceptable, you know, again, retroactively or uh, you know, in this tahom kind of case, for the Korban Pasach. and we know that I'm a I'm a We have another verse that tells us, but derekhalakhem. Rabbi Yochanan says that when the Pasach says, any of you, Lachem, who's going to be impure because of a corpse on the road, that it might be far away. And now we're, um, again, in Bamidbar, but in chapter nine, right? It still says, Lachem. And the fact that it says, Lachem, means that the impurity is going to be clear to you. But there, Lachem, the the, impure, the the way of travel, let's say, is far away, but, and again, to you. And the idea is from that to you, that it's still going to be clear to you, the same way that it would be clear to the Nazir, that he'd come in contact with the dead body, here we've you know, the impurity that the person who's bringing the Korban Pesach encounters, it's very clear to them. There's no question about it. It's not the case of the Home. So again, it's uh, it's clear to him. Rish Lakish comes and says, we got another way around here. The fact that it says, um, there's a way there's a road and the same way that you have you have the road is that is revealed I meaning you know that there's an encounter with the with the tuma Tuma nami so the same way that the road is in evidence and before you so too you have uh, impurity that is out in the open and before you that you could compare it to the fact very very cleverly the fact that it says Derach at all when it's talking about tuma. And then lastly, here and then your din, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, oh no, two more things. The Gemara is gonna to object to this again and say, Well, what are you talking about? How are we talking about tumata Tata home? All of these cases, of course, are explicit, you know, very clear, revealed impurity. It's too much at the home. It's, you don't have too much at the home if what you're talking about is an impurity that's imparted by a dead body, nobody knows about it and nobody knows about it. like even until the end of the earth, nobody knows about it and then one per- but if even one person is aware of it, right, then that's not too much at the home. So let's say I don't know, somebody know somebody knows where the bodies are buried and somebody else wanders by there that according to this position, the Gemara is saying that's not gonna be considered too much at all and that's called somebody sneaking about what's tummy and isn't putting a proper fence up or something, but it's not this particular category of the impurity of the deep. The Rebbe Lezardah Amar when he says, well, but, it, but it was clear to him, right? It's clear to him that there is impurity. So this Gemara says, Ad until he knew about it, right? It might not have been it, the impurity might not have been clear until a certain point. He would not have been considered the impurity of the deep um, until he knew about it. It's not enough to be for someone else to be aware of the corpse. This guy himself, who's rendered impure, needs to be aware of it. Let me just say that. I think I kind of jumbled that. So let me say it more carefully. This opinion of Reb Lazar, Lazar, sorry, the Lazar, the Abba, Amar, alav when we're talking about the impurity that must be clear to him, you, you don't have Tumat Atahom when it's clear to him and also not Adiyadahu until he knew about it um, after the fact, right? Meaning Tumat home is there's an impurity there where he didn't know about it, but then later on he discovers it. So well, what happens if somebody else knew about it all along? It doesn't, it doesn't render, you know, he doesn't get the benefit of that Of that knowledge, in terms of the leniency of the tumah, until he himself comes to know about it. But what about Rabbi Yochanan when he says that the that the halachas derived from the fact that it says (laughs) lachem, meaning that it must be clear to you, then we're talking about the impurity of the deep until two people know about it, and once you've got two people, then you no longer really have an unknown, hidden kind of tumah. Um, and likewise with Rish Lakish, with road, again, once everybody knows about it, you don't have tumatatahom. Home. So all of this is a structure to try to figure out where exactly do we get this idea of tumatatahom? um, yeah. not rendering the person, impu- well, renders the person impure, but then he's got the leniency to be able to still, um, you know, have the Korban Pesach. So, or have to retroactively to have provided it. So, and this is where we come back to Baalma, And all of these biblical inferences that the, that the sages are trying to pull out here, Lachem and Derech, all of it is simply to give it a hook and a in the biblical text, but it's not really how it's derived.
1: Which really makes sense, because it actually is a scenario that makes sense that could happen. And again, I mean, today things are recorded. We know where everything, you know, there's a certain, um, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, but we're very aware of like where things were buried, how buildings were built. But, you know, then in ancient times, (laughs) I think things were just sort of a hodgepodge. So it was totally possible that you could have, you know, move something around and then you find something. I mean, literally, because that's actually what happens in Israel all the time, right? Like you move something around and you find <laughs> something. So, you know, it makes sense that they had to have a halacha around this. Really makes sense that it's halacha la because it's sort of just a, what would you do? But in classic sort of limud form, they want to have an asmachto or a pasuk where maybe there was a hint to it. Um, so, I, you know, I think this is just a very typical... Methodology here that we see here uh, of of how they like to learn some of these things out, but but it but it makes sense that it's really halach l'moshi Sinai
0: Yeah, and it's a, I think a good example of what halach l'moshi Sinai means in terms of having this straight transmission. That even if you could come up with some logic, you can't apply it because that's not how that works, and and it's just this kind of straight line, you know going straight back. This is how it works. This is Tumat HaTahom. And anything else is Asmatu right, Exactly. It's trying to give it strength. Right.
1: And this is just what it is. So I'm just going to skip down to the section that really goes through exactly what the parameters of Tumat HaTahom are. And again, I, you know, I, I, the Gemara itself is pretty self-explanatory, but I just thought it was interesting sort of how it learns at all the different parts. So gufa, right? So the Gemara had quoted a before when it talked about it. And now it's going to sort of go through some of the particular, really analyze this bright HaMotzei Mushkav L'Rachvo right? So somebody finds a corpse lying across the width of the road, right? L'Trumah Tameh. So in regards to truma, this person would be considered Tameh. Pesach But if it's somebody who, for um, Nazir or somebody who has to, you know, do the Korban Pesach, uh, that person's going to be uh, pure. So in other words, the idea is, is that if you find this, you know, uh, this court, we're going to be very strict about Truma. But with Nazir and with Corbin Pesach, we're going to allow you to say, no, it's Tahur. You didn't expect that there was going to be a dead body. And yet you were there and it's OK. So Bamed Zavarim So what exactly, you know, when we're talking about the Truma piece, are we talking about? L'avor? So it has to be specifically in a case where you didn't have any other place where you could have passed over. Right. In other words, he had. We know that he had to pass over this corpse. About Yisshmakom lavor But even you know, if there's. So in other words, if there could be any doubt at all, if there's any sort of benefit of the doubt that we could give this person, right? Uh, that you know, and we could consider them pure. Particularly when uh, we're talking about tumat meat that's found, like let's say, in a public area in a reshusa right? Which is what a road would be. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So it has to be that it's sort of, there was no other place that this person could have walked. They had to contract Tumat mate. But if they could have walked around the body or something like that, we're going to say that they're tahor even for truma. Then the Gemara goes on and says, arim, So this is also very interesting because before we had this whole discussion about the Nazir and sort of what was the smallest part of the body to sort of impart Tumat hamate, but, t- but for this Tumat home, we're going to say that it actually has to be a full body. But if it's broken or dismembered, in other words, if the body's not intact, or let's say you find a piece of the body, we're not going to consider it, uh, you know, you're going to be considered pure. Uba um, Kever, right? Because we're going to say that what was the person able to do? They were able to sort of actually walk between the pieces. So again, it's going to allow that there was, you know, sort of, some element of doubt put in there and not that the person necessarily had to come in contact with that body itself. Uba kever. But let's say there's a grave, right? You discover an actual grave, like a tomb, right? In that case, if it's dismembered or impured, right? Because it's all contained within one unit. And obviously if you have to pass over any part of the grave, right? That that's all one unit and sort of that whole area would have Tuma mitzar fo, right because the the grave joins it basically into one unit. Now it goes on again, and it says, right It has to be when somebody is walking. But if somebody is on a um is you know is loaded sort of with a burden or or is riding an animal, he's going to be tame. So I thought this was very interesting that if you're walking, we can have some benefit of the doubt and make you tahor because the idea is you walked around it or you walked in between it but when you're riding something we're going to say you're automatically tamay why right because if you're walking it's possible you didn't touch it it's also possible you didn't pass over it and you made like an oh hell over it and therefore would become tamay but if you're have a burden, right? In other words, you can't really walk in a straight line, or you're almost like not paying attention exactly where your feet are. You're just sort of focusing on getting that burden to where it needs to go, or you're riding an animal. Again, you're actually not as in control of where you're physically walking. And therefore, we can't assume or give you the benefit of the doubt. I thought this was a very interesting sort of assumption that the Gemara makes here. Um, and then finally, the Gemara is going to say here, right? Right, and so finally, all of these statements about the nazir and the korban pesach that they're tahor. Right, we're talking this only applies to a case of tumata But when it comes to tuma yadua, right, of course they're going to be tame. And so then it says tumata koshaloki Right, so back to Anne, to what you said earlier, tumata It means to be that literally nobody in the world knew it was there. So it really has to be sort of like a surprise grave or a surprise burial ground. And again, I think like in the ancient world, this probably did happen. You didn't always know where people buried bodies. So you could dig something up or pass by something and you may find a body. Today, you know, with everything being as regulated, it is that sort of just wouldn't happen. Um, And then finally, you know, again, and we, we saw this yesterday, you know, then it concludes with, um, this idea that um, you know, right? So if you find it, you know, if you find somebody in um, in hay or in dirt or in pebbles, right? In other words, that it's possible that a person sort of dot, like these things fell on them or something like that. Um, but in other words, you're finding it in a place where you don't normally find a corpse, right? This would be tumata tohom. But in water or a dark place, in other words, a place where it's just, it's difficult to see. Not that it's a place where you wouldn't normally find a body, but just that like somebody could have drowned and been in water. It's just water. It's difficult to see it. So if you come upon that, we're not going to con- consider that Tumata to home. We saw this on yesterday's staff. And again, saying at the end that Tumata to home really can only be with a corpse, even though we do have some discussion. Could you apply to a Zav or a Zav, you know, a little bit or to a Sheritz before? Um, but it really seems to be a concept. I think the classic case of Tumata to home really involves um, one with a corpse. And here I'm going to say as many times, Anne, as you and I like to point out or sort of always point out where the Gemara doesn't feel organized. Today, the Gaddaf felt very organized to me.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Meaning this is why we chose to read so much. You know, we usually we do more discussion and less reading, but the Gemara provided what we would have wanted to do. exactly.
1: It really was just a very nicely constructed Gemara, really going through how could we learn this halacha out? Are the psukim we could attach it to? Which methodology do we, uh, you know, sort of um, like the most to say where we learned this from? And Ultimately concluding with And then finally, really just analyzing that brace and sort of going through real exact particulars of what what are the parameters of this actual concept.
0: That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Uh, Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about Tumatatahom now that you know a bit more about it and its rationale and derivation. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the 100 website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.